You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. That God's mercy is over us. I, I want to uh, just, we're going to be looking. This is going to be, well, put it this way. Last evening, I kind of thought I had a message of encouragement. And this morning, it kind of seemed more like a book report. So, I guess, and the other thing was that last time I spoke, you know, I was quite nervous. I'm probably nervous today, but Mike, uh, I, I didn't want to do the the um, the Facebook Live. Well, Mike asked me last night, he said, do you think you could leave that on today? So, um, I did. I said, okay. But, um, so anyway, so for Mike, if you're listening, for all you do, this book report is for you. Daniel uh, 9, verse 20, excuse me, verse 18 says that we do not present pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy, O Lord. So if you're reading through the the Bible on the two-year plan, um, and if you're in the second year of that plan, You've recently read through the book of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And we are continually reminded in the Bible that God's people have been and are to be set apart from the world. And there is only one true and living God, and He is not common or ordinary. And His people, His children through faith, have been called to be uh, as He is, holy, and set apart. And we should be different in a way that reflects our holy God. If we grow cold or indifferent or rebellious in our walk with Him, He is merciful and patient, but He loves us too purely and too perfectly to let us continue to be comfortable in our sin. I guess if this message had a title, it would be Faith for our hearts and strength for our hands. So I mentioned the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. But I also want to back up, uh, actually, so if you want to join me in the Old Testament, um, I want to actually back up to the book of Second Chronicles. So that's just before Ezra. Uh, First Kings, Second Kings, Second, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. <clears throat> and Second Chronicles 36 kind of gives some background to what's going on in, in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Mike has described other times the, book of the, old, the books of the Old Testament um, kind of being a, that of a coming come and see the greatness of our God. And the New Testament mission of the church, more of a go and tell uh, of of our great Savior. Well, here in Chronicles 36, I think if we were to uh, give it a, a title, it might be, Come and Take My People. Because God has allow, allows the nation of Israel to be taken exile. So beginning in, in verse 14 of chapter 36 in Second Chronicles, we read, 
All the officers of the priests and the people likewise were exceedingly unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations. And they polluted the house of the Lord that he had made holy in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people until there was no remedy. Therefore, he brought up against them the kings of the Chaldeans who killed the young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or aged. He gave them all into his hand and all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king of his princes, all these were brought to Babylon. And they burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious vessels. He took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths all the days that it lay desolate. It kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. So that's the background of what takes us into the book of Ezra. So in the first chapter of the book of Ezra, we pick up where 2 Chronicles left off. Ezra 1.1 In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord might, but let the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem, and let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides freewill offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. Either side, either side of the crosswork of Christ whether it's descendants of Abraham in the Old Testament covenant of promise, or followers of Christ through the new covenant in his blood, God's people have been viewed by the world as peculiar, to put it mildly, or more often as worthy of destruction. There was a clear mission given here in the, in the first uh, chapter of Ezra to return to Jerusalem rebuild the city, rebuild the wall. 
And we see it throughout the Bible, but it caught my attention in these, in these books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. The repeated efforts by the enemy to discourage and destroy God's people. And when discouragement doesn't seem to have its desired effect, the enemy might try to come alongside and make a deceptive effort to work together with God's people, but with a motive to undermine or dilute the work that God has called us to do. In the book of Ezra, there's an example of this we see in chapter 4. So if you're following along, move a little further into Ezra Ezra chapter 4. Beginning in, in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do, and we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of er, as, as Herodon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of fathers' houses in Israel said to them, You have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Jerusalem and Judah. We see a copy of of this accusation uh, is included here beginning in verse 11 of chapter 4. It reads, To Artaxerxes, the king, your servants, the men of the province beyond the river, send greeting. And now be it known to the king that the Jews who came up from you to us have gone to Jerusalem. They are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They are for finishing the walls and repairing the foundations. Now be it known to the king that if this city is rebuilt and the walls finished, they will not pay tribute, custom, or toll, and the royal revenue will be impaired. Now because we eat the salt of the palace and it is not fitting for us to witness the king's dishonor, therefore we send and and inform the king in order that a search may be made in the book of the records of, our, of your fathers, and you will find in the book of the records and learn that this city is a rebellious, hurtful, a rebellious city, hurtful to kings and provinces, and that sedition was stirred up in it from of old. That is why this city was laid to waste. We make known to the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls finished, you will then have no possession in the province beyond the river." The rest of Ezra records 
the kind of up and down seesaw victory and defeat for the Jewish people. And I thought it was interesting in the, in the accusation that this is why the city was laid to waste because they were rebellious and wicked people. The, the impression in the way that reads is that it was laid waste because they were rebellious to the king's authority in, in the land. Actually, they were a rebellious people. They were rebellious to God's instructions. Um, and yet we see God working in a, in a merciful way to restore them. Sometimes in, our, in the work that God's called us to do, we have enemies, yes, we have those that would discourage and, and distract, but sometimes we're our owner's worst enemy as we fail to obey the full instruction of God's word. And sometimes it's for the simple reason that we don't know God's word. The church today, for, church, for sure the church in America, has full and unlimited uh, access to God's written word. Um, I'm sure many of you have access on your phones. And the question is, what, what do we do with that opportunity? We have... We have God's written word in, in a language we can read, and, and what are we doing with it? And I can tell you firsthand that our lives seem too busy most of the time to take time to read God's word. There's this pressure and that pressure and this deadline, and this it always seems to press in on us. And for me anyway, the, the easy thing to cut out is just, well, I don't have time to, to read God's word, and yet we need to be. That's how he speaks to us today. In Ezra 7, verse 10, we can, we can be challenged and hopefully encouraged to. Ezra seven ten says that, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do to do it and to teach its statues and rules in Israel. We must study and know God's word well if we're going to be equipped to stand against the craftiness of Satan. We, we know that he is very crafty. And he, his method of, that works well is to deceive and to trip us up with kind of his age-old question of, did God really say? Now, if we know God's word and by faith are walking in the light of his word, then Jesus says that those who uh, live in this world and would want to discredit us, that they will only be able to utter all kinds of evil against us falsely. That we should be careful not to give them a reason to find fault with us. So false accusations is all that can, can fall on those who are in Christ and desiring to, um, to live out his word. We see an, another example of this in the record of Nehemiah and his work on the Jerusalem wall. So if you're moving along through these books to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6. 
Through fasting and prayer, Nehemiah had been given a clear directive and the provision of the Lord to go to Jerusalem and lead the work of rebuilding the wall around the city. Yet Nehemiah and those working with him encountered much opposition to this work. Chapter 6 records this plainly, and yet I find encouragement in it. I believe because many of the, the challenges that we face today, sometimes we're tempted to think this is, the, you know, this is the first time that anybody's ever experienced that, and yet we know that discouragement is not a new, not a new tool in Satan's toolbox. I do want to back up and just reference to you uh, Matthew f- chapter 5, where as we face, as we face discouragement, um, we're to be, if, to be encouraged. Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 11 says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. And so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So in, back in Nehemiah 6, beginning in verse 1, Now when Sambalat and Tobiah and, and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, and let us meet together at Akepaphrim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm, and I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. Now in the same, ma- in the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That, that is why you're building the wall. And according to those reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now, come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him, saying, No such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking that their hands will drop from the work, and the work will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Nehemiah kind of sends up a, a little arrow prayer there. Um, nothing wrong with that. Now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Continuing in verse 10. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. 
They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O my God, according to those things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadia and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. don't think we have to consider very long or very hard to identify areas of lies or deception that are being promoted today in an effort to hinder the work of the gospel in in Jesus Christ. Standing up to these, if you're serious about standing up to these, you will be hated by the world. And fear can be crippling. I think if any of us were to say that we've never been afraid to the point that we didn't know exactly what the next move should be, um, I'm not sure if we're being totally honest. Not all the time, not every day by any means, but just there are times where uh, fear can be crippling. And the enemy knows it. Psalm 27 Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers evil assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Our confidence needs to be in God, in, in the Lord of the universe. As Dave prayed and mentioned, just this God who spoke everything into being and not one, not one star is missing because of his great name and power, the, the authority that he has over all of creation. Now, Back in Nehemiah, it doesn't always work out this way. I'm, I'm not here to say that if there's a, there's a certain recipe for success. But if you look in Nehemiah 6, beginning again in verse 15, we can see the result here of Nehemiah's trusting God and not being afraid of man. Verse 15, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul, in 52 days. And when our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Like I said, following God's word is is not a promise of success in this world. You may lose your life 
And that's why it's important above anything else to know the way of salvation. That it's not of works, lest any man should boast. We've looked in these, in Ezra and Nehemiah, we've looked at the physical work and accomplishments that comes out of individual or corporate lives that trust and obey the Lord. But I do not want anyone leaving here today with the idea that you just need to be more involved in church or missions or other good works in order to be saved or to stay saved or to get God to love you or for God to not be angry with you. Ezra and Nehemiah were not saved by their works. Did you notice in Nehemiah 6, Nehemiah did not go into the temple. Number one, he knew that he was not, um, he was, it was not okay for him to enter the temple in the area where the, where the priests went. And secondly, he, his confidence was not in a building. His confidence was, was in his God. And that's where our confidence needs to be. Old, te- Old Testament or New Testament, salvation has always belonged to our God. It's been a gift. Yes, the Bible does say that all have sinned and by nature, therefore, enemies of God. And that can give us the idea that maybe we need to do something to appease Him and, and turn away his, his anger. It's not so. The Bible also says that Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Jesus has satisfied the wrath of God. Jesus has reconciled us from being enemies to being friends. The finished work of the cross is where our hope needs to lie. No longer enemies. We've been set free to be obedient in good works. Praise God. Father, thank you for who you are, that you do not change, that your word can be trusted. Lord, I pray that each of us here today, by the grace of your spirit, that we would have a greater confidence in the finished work of Christ that we would have no confidence in the flesh. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your patience. And again and again, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota. Minnesota.